Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start off by looking at verses 49 through 47. Before we do that, though, uh, the Christmas season, the holiday season has just ended, but uh, did everyone get some good gifts? Everyone get some good gifts? I've, I've, been pretty, I've had a pretty good uh, couple of years here. Matter of fact, the, the year before, my greatest gift that I got was uh, actually uh, one of those shower radios. Those are awesome. You could put it in your shower and you can play uh, the radio as loud as you want. It was a wonderful gift. I, I love it until I dropped it and broke it. So if anybody wants to get me a gift, there's a, an idea. But the greatest gift uh, I got uh, this year, all right, this will say a lot about me, but the, the greatest gift I got this year was from my good friend Justin Lauderdale, all right, and on Christmas Eve, I believe it was, uh, lo and behold, uh, there, these big beef ribs showed up in my house. They were hot and flavored well, wrapped in foil. Unfortunately, I was on the way to go somewhere or something was going on. I was only able to eat one. But they kept. We went to Dallas and I came back and uh, Elizabeth decided to share someone with the kids. I have no reason to understand why. But they only got a couple and I got five. All right. Because that's the way it ought to be because I'm dad. All right. Remember, one of my children, Hannah, came in and says, Dad, can I have one more? And I said, no. Well, why? I said, no. They're mine. And I actually, I went, I sat down on the couch, and I slobbered over them and just got them on. And Justin, they were wonderful. They were, they were a wonderful gift. This really has nothing to do with my sermon. But uh, we just actually finished up a series on, on gifts, gifts that have been given to us through Christ and the blessings he poured out upon us. He's given us his love. He's given us his hope. He's given us his joy. He's given us his peace. Well, as we begin a new series, I want to suggest to you that we've been given some other gifts as well. We've been given a gift that you and I, as believers in Christ, who have been blessed with all these other gifts, we've been given the gift and the privilege that you and I get to be a part of God's plan to redeem lost man. That you and I have been given the gift that we can be a part of building up Christ's kingdom to building up his church. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I'm, I'm astonished that God can take a man like me, and believe me, I know the man I was, and I know the man I am at times when I'm not up here. I know if it wasn't for the grace of God, who I would be. But it still amazes me that God can take me, and he says, you know what, I'm going to use you, Matt, in my plan to build up the church. I'm like, Come on, God, really? It amazes me. God, how can you do that? And God says, Reynolds, really? I can. And I want to. And the reality is, it's not because I'm unique. It's because I am in the body of Christ. And you, who put their faith and trust in Christ, are part of the body of Christ. And God is doing a work here in Fellowship Bible Church. And God is seeking, and He's done some amazing things by His grace in the life of our church, but He's seeking to do some next steps in the life of our church. And so as we present this series of building for the journey ahead, 
we're going we're gonna to tackle some different topics and different things that will help us as members, as part of building up the body of Christ, to deepen in our walk with Christ so that we might reach out for the cause of Christ. That's what this series is about as we go over these next six weeks. Now, the particular subject and topic that I want to cover today is that of biblical community. What is it? What is it that God has called us to? And I believe a passage that will not only set a blueprint for so many of the topics that are going to come up in the next few weeks, but also helps us to begin to grasp what biblical community is, is found here in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Todd had read a, a portion of that scripture to you, and just to give you the background to this passage, the Holy Spirit had just come and he had come down and he had literally, as God had Christ had promised, he had indwelt the believers. And the believers went out amongst the people and the Holy Spirit was working powerfully amongst them. And the Jews that were present, they were wondering what was going on. And so Peter, filled with the Spirit, he stands up and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. He goes back and he, he shares who Christ is, his person and his work. This Christ who he says whom they had crucified. And these people, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, are, are pierced in their hearts. They come to a realization that they are sinners and that they had a hand in crucifying the Messiah. And they repent and they put their faith and trust in Christ. And on that day, the church went from 120 people meeting in an upper room to over 3,000 people who were being baptized there around Jerusalem. It was a powerful scene. A magnificent scene. And then after that, all the apostles went home and went fishing. Is that what happened? No. There was a work to be done. There was a mission to be accomplished. There was people who needed to be, understand what it meant to grow deep in Christ. They needed to understand how do we go out and reach out to others with, with this news, this gospel that we had just received. They needed to understand how to live life in Christ, this new life in Christ. And so what happens? Well, look there at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. First thing I want you to notice is the quality and the frequency with which they were doing these particular practices. Notice they were continually devoting themselves to these things. This wasn't just something that, you know, we'll, we'll do once, we'll try it out, and we'll, we'll go home. It wasn't something they were just doing a few times a, a month or once a month or a few times a year. But it was something that they were devoting themselves to was something that they were committed to. The Holy Spirit had just utterly changed their life. It had taken them from the old things and it had brought new things. It changed their perspective. It changed their goals, their purposes for life. And that they, they turned away from everything else and now they, they devoted themselves to this new life in Christ. And look what they were devoting themselves to particularly. I see four broad practices that mark this early church and that must mark us as a church as well if we're going to be, continue to be a growing church. First thing is they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
is the apostles were sharing what Christ had shared with them. The apostles were taking the Old Testament and they were showing them Christ in the Old Testament. And they devoted themselves to this. They soaked it in. They were a word-centered church. That is, they were following Christ's word as part of living this new life in Christ. Notice, too, that they're also devoting themselves to fellowship. That is, this, they were not only a Bible-believing church, but they were a Bible-living church. Is they just didn't take it in their heads, but they actually began to live it out, and they did that through the avenue of fellowship. Now, they were taking this truth, and they were putting it into action and interaction with fellow believers. They were a fellowshipping church. They were investing their lives in others, another aspect of living out life in Christ. They were a worshiping church. Look what it says. They were continually devoting themselves to the breaking of bread and, and to prayer. Breaking of bread, no doubt, refers to taking of the Lord's Supper. And as verse 46 makes this clear, as it separates breaking of bread from, from taking a meal. Look what it says there in verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind, they have one mind, in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were, they were loving God. They were celebrating His salvation together. They were worshiping together through prayer. They were praising God. That is, they were exalting the living God in light of His holy attributes and what He had done. They were magnifying. No doubt they were spending time worshiping together and singing songs together. Matter of fact, in verse 43, it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. What were they in the awe of? I think they were in awe to look around, and they, they, first of all, they saw their own selves and say, you know, we just come from spiritual deadness to spiritual life. And then they looked around at all the works that God was doing, and they're saying, God, in just one day, went from 120 to 3,000 believers. They were in awe of, of God. They had a healthy fear of God, we might say. They worshipped Him. They reverenced Him. They're marked as a worshiping church. And they obviously didn't keep this praise to themselves, because look what it says there in verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding, it was God who was changing hearts to their number day by day, those who were being saved. But as God is the one who changes hearts, it's obviously God who works through his people to be a witness about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were an evangelistic church. That is, they were engaging their world for Christ. That was another way that they lived out life in Christ. But you notice something. This was a, a church that was loving God. It was investing in others. It was following His world, His word, engaging our world. This is our mission statement as a church. If you look inside the bulletin, we have it there every Sunday. Our mission as a church it's to glorify God by living out the life that we have in Christ. That is, we want Christ via His Holy Spirit to be working out this kind of life. A life that is, is in all of who God is, who loves Him and worships Him with all our life. A God who, who is working in us as we, as we invest in others. As we follow His Word. And as we reach out and engage our world for the cause of Christ. That's what marked the early church, and that's what must continue to mark us as a church. That's something you can get excited about, isn't it? That God can use you and I 
Despite our frailties, despite our weaknesses, He gives us new life and new purpose, and He can use us to live through us to make a change for the world. That's awesome. That's what you and I are part of. Now, my one thing I want you to notice, though, as you look through this, the one thing that marks this, that is carried out through all of this, is this, this aspect of fellowship that overlaps all these activities. And this is the topic that I need to talk to you about today. This community, this, this togetherness. See, while you can study the Word by yourself, there, there comes a time when you need to get together with others in the Word so they can sharpen you and they can challenge you and help bring clarity to the Word of God in, in, their, in your life. While you can worship God by yourself, God says don't keep your worship necessarily all to yourself, but, but go out and, and, and praise God and sing hymns together, as it talks about in Colossians chapter 3. Admonish one another with hymns and songs and spiritual songs. This we're to do it in fellowship and in community. While you can evangelize personally, did you know that most often it takes several people to share the gospel with a person before that person comes to Christ? It takes all of us. It takes fellowship. It takes community and togetherness in this mission for the cause of Christ. While the Christian life involves a personal faith in Christ, it also involves it's a faith that calls us to involvement with the people of Christ for the cause of Christ because of out of our relationship with Christ. It's a thing we call community. It's a thing the Bible calls fellowship. In fact, that's our name. Fellowship Bible Church. And my question for us today, if that's our name, does our name, is it truly, is it fully matching our actions? Well, first of all, what does this word fellowship really mean? What does it mean? Fellowship is, is really a word you've probably heard for, before. It's a Greek word, a koinonia. It comes from a word koinos, which simply means to, to, to have common, to mutually be public. It's basically the idea of, of sharing or partnership or participation. That, that's the idea of it. And throughout the the usage of the, this word here, koinonia, and other words that describe aspects of koinonia, I believe we can, find, we can find four aspects of fellowship that I believe will help you and I today to gain a deeper, more fuller understanding of what God has called us to when we talk about biblical community. So I want to share those with you this morning. The first thing I want to share with you is, first of all, that what understanding fellowship is understanding that it's a shared relationship in the person of Christ. That is, the world starts fellowship based on hobbies. Sometimes it starts it on color, ethnicity, economics, social activities, organizations. However, when fellowship is spoken of, of church and the people of Jesus Christ... The starting point for fellowship is a relationship with the person of Christ. That's, that's totally implied here in our, in our passage. That is, the, the whole thing that brought these people together here in, in Acts chapter 2 was the reality of what they now had in common was the person of Jesus Christ, that they shared in a relationship with, with Christ. 
In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, the, the apostle uh, Peter or John puts it this way. Speaking of, of all the things that he learned from Christ, he says this in verse 3. He says this. He says, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. They say, we proclaim all these truths, all these things to you, so that, that you also may have fellowship with us. They're saying, we want koinonia with you. We want you to have that with us. But then they say, here's where it's grounded. Here's where it starts. It says, and indeed, our fellowship or our koinonia is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, the thing that ought to go across and what just bugs me to death because we have so much uh, lack of, of, of working together. We have so, our, our churches are so, we have African-Americans here, we have, we have uh, Latinos over here, and then we have this white population here. And, and that's not what it ought to be. That ought to not be the things that we choose fellowship over. Because what we all have is that we have a relationship with Christ and that ought to precede all that nonsense. Look at this. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, Paul tells us this, By one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. That is, through the work of what we call the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He literally takes us and he immerses us spiritually into the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is immersed in us. Thereby, we are all placed into the one body of Christ, who Christ is the head. We are all spiritually a part of the same body. Romans 12, verse 5 says this, So we who are many are one body in Christ. And get this, we are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Huh. Don't rush over that. Matter of fact, if, if you know Christ as your Savior, just raise your hand for a second. Come on, just play along with me. I know it's awkward. I know Grant's hating it right now. But then just kind of look around at each other too. Look around. I know it's awkward. You're like, I'm not doing it. All right, some of you just, some of you I see you just moving your heads like this. All right. All those people that raise their hands, they're members with you. They're members of the body of Christ. Don't rush over that. You all are parts of the body of Christ together. You say, man, I don't like some of these people. That's why God said, forgive one another. Bear with one another. Mm-hmm. We belong to each other, folks. We have responsibilities to each other. We're called to fellowship with each other. We are united in relationship with Christ and each other. We're not just individual parts out doing our own thing. We are a single body of believers that ought to be living and doing life in Christ together and serving Christ together. One of the most beautiful pictures that I, I, I remember this early in, in my walk with Christ is when I went to the Philippines, uh, I was on a basketball team that we were sharing Christ at the same time. And I remember in this one particular village, village and, and I'm, I'm totally different than a Filipino. I mean, we, we, you didn't notice that? All right. On average, a Filipino is not my size, okay? 
They always used to come up and ask me, hey, do you know Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson? They, they just thought I lived on the street. And we were out in the villages, and so they would ask these things. And we looked totally different. Matter of fact, some of the guys who had hairier legs, and they would, some of the younger kids would come up, and they would sneak up behind them and pull on, on their, their hairy legs. It was just different. But I remember one night in a little house church after we had played a, a, a basketball game and because we partnered with these national pastors, these Filipino pastors, to draw a crowd so we could share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I remember sitting there, and, and we didn't even understand each other. I mean, they knew English. I knew nothing of their dialect. Uh, but I remember there as we started, one of our team members began to play a guitar and to sing some songs, and they happened to know that song. And then as I sat there and as I listened and as I chimed in, there we were all singing about our same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then I got it. I got a glimpse of what heaven is like. I got a glimpse of what the body of Christ is to be. Because of our shared relationship in the person of Christ. See, the principle is is that first and foremost, fellowship is about a relationship. And out of that relationship then flows the activity that we're to be about. The second thing I want you to understand is that not only is it a shared relationship, but it's a shared partnership in the, the cause of Christ as well. Again, we see this implied um, in Acts chapter 2. That is, they are partnering together and caring for each other. They are, they are partnering together and, and no doubt in sharing Christ with others. Right, you want to know one of the best ways to get connected uh, in fellowship and, or getting to know people in the church is to start serving. You get to know people real quick that way. You form a bond. When, you, when you're you know, left into a, a, a nursery by yourself or a bunch of two-year-olds, you guys bond, okay? You do that. I know that's not ministry for everybody, but that's some quick bond in there. So it's a shared partnership. As a matter of fact, I want you to look at this verse here in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 5. Paul is beginning out this letter, and, and he, he says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day, first day until now. That word participation is koinonia. That is, he was giving thanks that, you know what, it's not just me out here who is sharing the gospel on my own, but you're sharing it in with me. You're going out and you're sharing the gospel with other people. That is, we're partnering in this thing together. That is, ministry is meant to be a team sport. It's meant to be something that you and I, we do together. Matter of fact, we do it better when we do it together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 through 16 says this, But we, speaking the truth in love, are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, get this, the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. What what causes the building up of the body of Christ? Is it the pastor? 
No, it's all of us working together, each doing its own individual part in the body of Christ. See, it's a team sport. We do it together. You have gifts and talents and abilities and know-how that I will never have. And I need you. And guess what? You need me in this cause of Christ. We need each other because we all need Christ, and Christ has gifted the church where we serve together. We're serving together in this. But you know what else, how they partnered? It says also later in Philippians 4, it says they, they gave financially, but it also says that they, they prayed particularly for Paul. They prayed for his deliverance. And numerous times throughout the epistles, Paul would pray and ask that other believers, they would pray for him. Do you know when you're praying for each other, when you're praying for someone else to share the gospel, you're praying for some other need, it's you are experiencing koinonia with them, fellowship with them. You're partnering with them in this, this endeavor. Matter of fact, my, my, my good buddy uh, who, who comes up, usually when I preach, uh, my, my, my good buddy back there, Richard, will come up to me and he'll have some kind of comment to encourage me. And oftentimes he says, he'll say something like, you know, I'm praying for you. Now, Richard is not the one, I don't think he would ever want to come up here and preach. But he is not up here. But you know what? When I'm preaching, I'm not doing it alone. Because Richard and others are taking me to the one, the only one, who can empower me to say anything that makes any effect on you. And so we partner together as we pray for each other, as we enter into each other's lives and we intercede before God for each other. There's a partnership in that. That's koinonia. That's fellowship. That's community. Third thing is that there is a shared companionship in our walk with Christ. And it says they were conveniently devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread. As they were learning and worshiping together, they were doing this together. They were day by day continuing with one mind in the temple. That is, they, they had a large group setting and breaking the bread from house to house. So they broke down to smaller group settings so you can get involved in each other's lives. And they were taking meals together and with gladness. The reality is, as one pastor said, there's too many Lone Ranger Christians out there. You know what a Lone Ranger Christian is? It's those people who come to church with masks on. They come in, service leaves, they go out, and you say, who was that masked man? Who was that masked lady? And they isolate themselves. And they miss out on the companionship. They miss out on the opportunity for believers, other believers, to pour in their lives and help them grow in their walk and for them to help other believers as well to grow in their walk as well. See, our walk with Christ, our life with Christ, it's, it's, a, it's a, a companionship. We share together. We, we, we sharpen each other. Now, growing up, I heard, hey, we're going to meet at the fellowship hall tonight. And that usually meant that you were going to have coffee and donuts, hang out, have some good time, maybe a potluck. But that's not fellowship. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, it's good to have fellowship and food. Matter of fact, more beef ribs will move me to greater fellowship, okay? <laughs> they will do that. But as one pastor said, a gathering that leaves out Jesus Christ is not true Christian fellowship. It's just a social gathering. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Just call it what it is, a party, a basketball get-together, a food and football bash, a luncheon. In order for something to qualify as Christian fellowship, Jesus Christ has to show up. 
If Jesus never comes up in the conversation, if reference is never made either directly or indirectly to him being the standard that brought you together, then what you have is not biblical koinonia. It's called a get-together. Here's my exhortation. Don't settle for a get-together. Get together, but get together to take each other further in your walk with Christ. Again, there's nothing wrong with those other things. They're great things, but they're just a starting point. That God wants us to go deeper together in our walk with Christ. And there's a the last thing here. The last thing is that we have a shared stewardship in our resources from Christ. Go back to Acts chapter 2 again and look at it. It says in verse 44, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. That is koinonia. And they, might, they, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all, with all as anyone ha, might have need. Now, this is not biblical communism, okay? It's not what it is. It is they were taking, they were being wise stewards of, of their resources, and as they saw need in, their, in the body of Christ, they were willing to do a part or to sell some of those possessions to help meet those needs is what they were doing. I see this kind of stuff happening all the time around fellowship within the body of believers. I have the privilege to see how people step up and help meet financial needs and people who are needy in, in our body of Christ. I, I have people who I see step up and take care of children so a mom and a dad can have a break and get some sandy back. I see people who, who will help out and, and they'll come and they'll do home repairs or put light bulbs in or do yard work. I have people I know, I see that are meeting needs where people just need food. And sometimes it's just food because that person is overwhelmed with the circumstances of life. Matter of fact, you know, you ladies, and maybe some of you men too, I don't know, who are involved in that meal ministry, you do not know. I mean, I never thought, I thought, I mean, how big a difference can a meal really make? But it makes a huge difference. When you're a mom and you're overwhelmed with something or you just had a child or you have a sickness in the family. And when they see the body of Christ, sometimes people within the body of Christ, people who sit on the whole other side of the, uh, of the gym because they, they never met them, and they show up with a meal, that speaks volumes into their life. And it's a way that we share out of our own resources that we've received from Christ. I don't think this should be left either to just... Uh, those material things, I think it's also spiritual. First Corinthians twelve seven says this, but each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. He's talking about spiritual gifts for the common good. Notice that. For the common good. That is, it's meant to be shared. That is, you and I all have at least one spiritual gift. All right? And each one who is, it says, First Peter 4, 10, says each one who has received a special gift employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, I've heard this lie a lot, this lie that says, you know what, I really don't have much to give. Stop it. I really don't have a spiritual, oh, stop it, you do too. You may not have discovered it yet, but you do. Quit believing the lie. God's word says he's giving you something. You'll discover it. You know how you discover it? Just start serving and quit holding out on other people in the body of Christ. You have gifts, you have talents that God has given you, and he wants you to use it for the common good. Quit holding out on us. 
right? God wouldn't have given it to you if he didn't want you to use it. God wouldn't have given it to you if it wasn't vital to the body of Christ, because it is. And you are gifted. Use it for his glory. Share in community with each other. Believers, Christ is calling us to something deeper, fuller, because he's calling us out of a shared relationship with Christ to a, a shared partnership in the cause of Christ, a shared companionship in our walk with Christ, and a shared stewardship with our resources from Christ. So how do we get started in this? Let me just give you a few things. A few things first is you need to pray about it. You just begin praying, Lord, how, how, how am I supposed to start connecting in this deeper, more fuller fellowship? Lord, Lord, help me overcome bad experiences I've had in other churches or with other believers. All the time I, I run to people that have been hurt and they genuinely have, but I just got to tell them, so that's why God says we have to forgive one another. That's why we have to bear with one another. But pray about how is God moving you? The second thing I need to, we need to do is initiate. Don't fall into the trap. Well, no one ever asked me over. No one asked me to lunch. or No one asked me to their small group. And they should. But don't fall in the trap. Well, they've never done that, so I'm not doing it. That's a deception. Initiate. We want to help you connect in fellowship. Matter of fact, one of our goals as we go through this series is that we are trying to go from just 13 fellowship families with our small groups that we want to add 10 new small groups this year. And it's not just so we can say, you know, hey, we've we got, you know, 23 groups now. That's not it at all. We just want to provide an environment where you can begin to work out and begin to experience the type of community that God and his word is calling us to. And it may not be a small group. If it's a Bible study, go for it. Do it. If it's, if it's our, one of our Sunday communities, get in there. If it's just a few buddies that you meet for coffee and you talk about things besides sports, all right, and you put Christ in there, do it. Do it together. We just want to encourage you in that. And last is this. Well, I want you to ask. That is, if you are a leader of a small group, or if you are a member of a small group, or a Bible study, or a Sunday community, or if you've been in this church for a long time, you know what you ought to be doing? You should, they're, they're out of, no one ought to get away without being asked to some sort of small group. Remember, if you're a member of a group, or a leader of a group, you should be looking around here, and you should be asking, hey, why don't you come visit our group? Why don't you come be a part of our study? Why don't you come... And meet me for coffee. I dare you to do it. I dare you. Do it. Watch what God does. Watch the body of Christ grow. And mature. And deepen. And the last thing I want to give you on how to do this is rely on the means of the Holy Spirit. If you look into Acts chapter 2, and particularly in Acts chapter 4 as well, I don't have time to read the scripture to you, but it, it is you see people who are constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do I get over my fear of, uh, of entering into these other more deeper relationships? How do I get past some of the hurt feelings? You know how it is? You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. You follow His leading and guiding. And guess what? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Matter of fact, that love that you are having a hard time for the other person who's a part of your body, you just don't like them, you know, 
The Holy Spirit provides you that love for Him. It's through dependence upon Him that we live out this life. And last, why do we do this? What is the motive for this? The motive for this is a love for God. Last week I talked about in Revelation chapter 2 how it's our passion for Christ that drives us in our service for Christ. It's out of a love for God that we enter into community with other believers. Remember, I'm going to give you a real convicting verse here. It's in 1 John 4:19. It says, We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Basically what he's saying is that if you don't have love for your fellow mankind, you're not loving me. You're not loving me. When we love others, we increase in showing our love to God. And as we love God, and as we love people, guess what we also do? We glorify God. John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. There's that fellowship language. By all this, men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That is, when you love, when you enter into community with other believers, you put the fact, you testify that I'm with Christ, that I'm one of his disciples. I'm a follower. Matter of fact, Paul writes in Romans chapter 15, verse 6, when he's talking about getting along with those you have difference of opinions with and the things that are non-essential. He says, when you're of one mind with each other, he says, we glorify the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to glorify God? You want to put Him on display? You enter in to biblical community with fellow believers. You share in a relationship with Christ. You share in a, a, uh, a partnership with Christ, a companionship in your walk with Christ, and you share of resources. And you're moved by the love of God and the glory of God. Put Him on display. Now, for my closing illustration today, I'm going to ask that we have a living, breathing illustration come up here. And so if David and, and Catherine Tharp would come, they're going to share some of their experience of what they've had in biblical koinonia and in fellowship. David, it is good to see you walking up here. It's good to be walking again. You know, um, you shouldn't be so eloquent in your words because you started out talking about those ribs. I know. And I hope this is recorded because I think I lost part of your sermon because I was thinking about how good they would taste the whole time. Just go see that guy right there. <laughs> well, um, this is my beautiful wife, Catherine, and um, Matt had done an excellent job of sending out something this week that said that uh, if anyone was interested in, in saying a few words about what it means to them and the Fellowship family, um, to just let him know. And to be very honest, our family has been overwhelmed by what all has happened and what all has been going on in our lives. And so we wanted to just take a moment to just tell you how impactful and how thankful that we have been through this whole process of a Fellowship family. Um, I was thinking about a verse in 2 Corinthians, and in in chapter 1 it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. 
there have been um, a few nodal points that have happened. Um, so I'm a clinical psychologist, so for me to use nodal points, there are certain things that impact you that you remember. For me, one of them was when, uh, when I was in college and my mom died. So that's an example of a nodal point. Um, but we just, uh, we just want to share with you just a few of those things that have happened in our life in the past few years um, that have really brought us to this point. And when, in so doing, we were laying in bed talking about all the things that, that have happened, and we started listing them out, and it became so long that we couldn't even begin to, to even start doing that process. Um, about three years ago, we moved here, and uh, moved here um, without any family, um, I said without any friends, and Catherine's like, we have friends, just not local. And I was like, okay, okay, it's true, we have friends, we just don't have any local friends. So, so we moved here, and um, it wasn't long after that that I felt, um, well, actually, just to step back, um, 9-11 happened. And when 9-11 happened, I remember watching television, and I had just started flying a, a small plane. And I thought, wow, how in the world do you fly a plane into a building? I mean, that guy must have been a really bad pilot. And it wasn't until later on that I really started to understand the magnification of what that really meant. And it impacted me so much that I was very angry, to be honest with you. And I got to the point that I um, prayed about it, and, um, and I made the decision to join the Air Force. And it was about three years ago, something like that, that I felt really called um, by God to, um, to go to Kandahar, Afghanistan. And in, sowing, in so doing that, I know a lot of people have served in our community and in this congregation in the military. And it was at that point in time um, that I took over a job that was very stressful. And uh, about a month before we, uh, that my tour of duty was up, I suffered from uh, this diagnosis called transverse myelitis. And I couldn't feel anything from my chest down. Um, I can't go into all the things that happened. You guys prayed for me, and it was wonderful. And then, about how long ago? Three months ago. About three months ago, um, going through another stressful time, and bam, it hits again. And, um, and when it hit again, this time it was definitely challenging. It, not only did I, I lose, I lost every feeling from here down. I had numbness and tingling and pain, but it started going up my hands, and I lost the use of these two fingers, and then finally... Uh, the use of my arms, um, and it was pretty dramatic. And in that time, um, we were praying a lot about it, and I want Catherine, so Catherine is going to just share with you a little bit about some of the things that the Fellowship family did for us while, in essence, I was incapacitated, um, because it was very important. I do want to say, just to paint a little picture, that um, when he says he lost the use of his hands and arms, I mean, he literally couldn't do regular activities of daily living, like putting on clothes was really difficult, brushing his teeth, even holding, he had to have a special device gadget to even hold a fork or a spoon to eat. Um, so it was definitely challenging. Our fellowship family has been there for us since we moved here, and um, I joined our fellowship family right before he moved, or he left to go to Afghanistan. So uh, for a long time, they didn't even really get to know him until he got back. It was just myself and our two boys. Um, and the encouragement and the support that they offered me through that time was incredible. And uh, we just don't have enough time to go into all of that. So we do want to focus on the more current episode. I do think our fellowship family sometimes got the short end of the stick when the Tharps joined because we, we have been very needy. But... Um, <laughs> 
some of the things that they have done, just to paint a picture, just to give you an idea about how amazing this group is. And I know that every single one of the groups out there have amazing, strong Christian people who are service-oriented and who want to meet your needs. Um, But uh, some of the things, Matt mentioned the food. Huge deal. For two months solid, we had casserole after casserole after casserole. Did not have to cook. They were all wonderful, delicious. I probably put on like 10 pounds, seriously. Um, And we were so thankful. That took such a burden and uh, and stress off of myself and my mom who came down to help. Um, So that was one thing. We had a group come in and do our, a group from our fellowship family come in and do our yard work. They edged. They put up our Christmas tree back in October because they knew that he wasn't going to be able to do that. All of these things are so special and um, and they're not minor. Like I know one of the people in our fellowship family is um, a mom, stay-at-home mom, five kids, oldest is six, youngest is a newborn, but yet she still found time to cook something for us and bring it over. I mean, that is not lost on us. just the service and, and the love of the Lord, which translates into the love of people. Uh, another thing that I wanted to mention is um, when all these guys came over and did our yard work and all of those things for us, um, when, uh, well, a couple in particular, but um, decided to stay a little longer and play basketball with my now six-year-old. He was five at the time, um, and he's in kindergarten basketball, and he had been like you know, <laughs> averaging two points a game. And um, anyway, um, he coached him a little bit, and he knows what he's doing. Um, and Joshua started, you know, averaging like 14 points a game, which is like for a little five-year-old, this is amazing. You know, he was so excited. And, I mean, it's just things like that that people can do and serve. And obviously that was his gift. And it was such a beautiful thing to us. And we are so appreciative. Um, let's see. I, I don't want to. I want to make sure that um, I don't miss something really key. But I mean, the constant prayer um, for those of you guys, to those of you who know me, I'm in medical school, which is insane because I'm 36 year old mama too. But anyway, it is what it is. Um, and uh, I have people constantly ask me, "How are you doing? How are your classes going? We're praying for you. We're praying for David." And I can't even begin to tell you what that encouragement means to me and to David, and it just kind of helps keep me going um, when I don't feel like continuing. Sometimes I just feel like quitting, but I know that this is God's will, and um, I know that I have this amazing support system in my fellowship family. In fact, this morning when we were kind of talking about this, we both teared up. Um, We're that passionate about our our group, um, and they have been amazing to us. 